2 Timothy 1, verse 3 through 14. I thank God, whom I serve, as did my ancestors, with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers, night and day. As I remember your tears, I long to see you, that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am sure dwells in you. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but a power of love and of self-control. Therefore, I do not, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me as prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God who saved us and called us into a holy calling, mm-hmm. not because of our works, but mm-hmm. because of his own purpose and his grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages even began, and which now has been manifest through the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who abolished death, and he brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, for which I was appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher, which is why I suffer as I do, but I'm not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard my life until the day what has been entrusted to me. Follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me in faith and in love that are in Christ Jesus. By the Holy Spirit, who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted into you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Great word. Man, what a, what a, I mean, I want to get a letter like this. Uh, uh, You know, I I feel this. There's a couple of things that just like really popped out of me as I was reading the text. And again, a lot of these aren't like very new thoughts, but one maybe semi kind of new. I I love that Paul kind of honors his own ancestors. Hmm. You know, you could kind of almost see Paul. Well, Paul, like, he's coming away from Judaism. He, um, you know, Christ has revealed himself to Paul, you know, Damascus Road, I mean, this whole thing. Um, And so, you know, Paul is, like, doing the new idea. Well, well, no, what Paul realizes is that he's doing the old idea. Yeah. That the ancestors, you know, they were all pointing to Christ, and now Christ has been revealed. And now, of course... Paul is helping us to see that Christ has been revealed, that the Messiah has come in the person of Jesus Christ. Um, but he recognizes that this is not, in a sense, something new. Mm-hmm. It's actually something old mm-hmm. that, that's just now, you know, had a further manifestation, a clearer manifestation. Um, mm-hmm. Jesus is the fulfillment. He is the yes and amen, you know, mm-hmm. um, of all of these things. And so, anyway, that was something that really struck me. Like, Paul's honor to those that, in a sense, carried on the faith before the coming of Christ. Yeah. And then the other thing, and there's a lot in this passage, but, you know, then I just love, like, your mom, your grandmother, they love the Lord, and now that's been passed on to you. And, mm-hmm. you know, the gospel really first came to my family through my dad. And, you know, so I'm kind of a second-generation Christian. And, mm-hmm. you know, maybe there was some faith before them. But, I mean, when we say the gospel, I mean, I had a Catholic family that, that I would say wasn't very serious about their Catholicism, but not super serious about, like, Jesus and following yeah. him and yeah. knowing his word. Um, and so now I'm a 
kind of a second generation. And I think about like how awesome it's like, here's my dad. He's entrusted the faith to me. I'm trying to entrust it to my kids. And of course I want that to continue. So anyway, I, there's so many things to like about this passage. Um, I don't want to, I don't want to take them all. Will. So <laughs> what are your thoughts? Thank you. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> so, you know, first and second Timothy are, those are two of my favorite books because Timothy is, uh, like honestly, he's a very relatable character to like the times that we live in. He, you know, his dad is is Greek or uh, Gentile and pagan, and his mom is a Jewish Christian, and so he he's really like a cultural exile. And there's not really, you know, through Scripture, it's clear that either um, there's his home is at least split religiously which especially at this time is serious. And even today is very taxing for people. Um, So at the very least it's that at the very most, like his, his father is not in the picture at all. And Paul has stepped into that role for Timothy. That's right. Yeah. And, And you know, Paul is single, doesn't have kids. And so there's just like this very powerful, you know, like almost like Hollywood esque old man, mentor, father, son relationship. And, so everything that is in these books is just seasoned so much with love to this young guy. He's been sent to Ephesus, uh, which is, you know, just this big city, happening city that is just rife with, you know, with conflict, with religious disagreement and, and religious plurality. And Timothy has been sent as a young guy to actually like correct some of these older church leaders who've mm-hmm. lost their way. And that is, I mean, you know, and I know you can speak more to that than I can, but that is like not an easy as a, an easy position as a young man to be put in. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I love in verse four, it says, as I remember your tears, I long to see you that you may be filled with joy. Mm. And so you see like Timothy, uh, he, he's been on the rocks with Paul before and, and Paul, as he's writing this is just remembering uh, you know, that version of Timothy and he's writing to comfort him, to encourage him, to lift him up to the light. And so what does he do? He, he just begins to remind him over and over again, guard what has been entrusted to you, mm-hmm. hold it close, like, like treasure. And that is, that is such a potent and, and applicable word for us today. Um, you know, geez, I'm, I'm reminded of a sermon often that you, gosh, this was at the stave room. It was probably like a year ago, but you're talking about basically people's faith in college is often the best that it ever is. Yeah. And then in their twenties, it's like real solid. They're young. They're like involved in the church, but it's often like your late twenties, your thirties, your forties that kills your faith because the the cares of the world the anxieties of the world creep in and you know our propensity our our uh instinct is to not guard the deposit amen and it it begins to be choked out by the cares of the world well i mean yeah i think idols grow yeah right and so if idols aren't checked um they grow and and i think spirituality you know there's this, when you first come to Christ or when you're a Christian in college or whatever, and like all these cool people are like going to these Bible studies, like 
there is something yeah. exciting about like learning the Bible and yeah. learning theology yeah. and, and, you know, for the first time and you feel very smart or whatever. And then you kind of get it. You're like, I got it. And like, I know the Bible. And, and obviously like the knowledge of the Lord is an endless well, and, yeah. uh, you know, a bottomless ocean. But, um, but I do think people kind of get to this point of like, I'm pretty mature. And then like you say, the cares of life, you get busy with your job, you have kids, you know, they're doing this. And so all of these spiritual disciplines that were actually the thing that were creating the spiritual growth in you. Yeah. Um, Wayne and, and man, I have just seen this story will happen so many times, mm -hmm. um, where these people that, you know, man, I mean, I just look at my own life, like 15 years ago, it's like this person that I would have like admired. It's like not even walking with the Lord or like yeah. barely walking with the Lord. Yeah. Um, one of the ways I've said it is like they're living on the fumes of a great college ministry. Like they, they, yeah. they like were filled up in college and, but the, the tank is really empty. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, I think that bears a question. How do you guard what's mm. been entrusted to you? And I think one of the ways is you guard it by being engaged in a local church, by loving the word of God, by staying in community, by having guys like Paul say, guard what's been entrusted to you in your life. Um, and I think the, the, the big one too is by doing the work and never getting too big for the work. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, I do just, you know, we, um, DA Carson, like I think about a guy like that. Um, he was here a couple weeks ago and he's, I don't know, 77, I don't know, mid seventies, mm -hmm. however old Don is, he's got Parkinson's. Mm. he doesn't have to come yeah. to this little rinky-dink church in Atlanta yeah. to, like, preach to us. He doesn't need our honorarium. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. He does, <laughs> he does not need our honorarium or the little gift that we gave him, you know, which, you know, was two gift cards to breakfast places he likes because I didn't know what else to get done. <laughs> but, like, he doesn't need any of that. Yeah. And, um... Why does he do that? You know, it's because he loves Jesus. And here's this guy that is, and, and you know, he he wrote um, he wrote this article, Desiring God, like called Standing in the Gap. And it, he was just like, I'm going to be the one that stands in the gap. Like, you know, like who's going to stand in the gap? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be the one that stands in the gap. And um, I just love that. And, and I, I just feel like that is so easily lost. Like, this is what Paul is saying. Like, you're, you're standing in the gap. Like, Continue to be faithful. Continue to guard what's been entrusted to you. Um, live out this holy calling. He's like, I'm living out my calling. I mean, and and I love like how Paul is just like flexes a little bit sometimes. He's like, I'm an apostle. I'm a teacher. Yeah. I'm a preacher. And I'm suffering for it. But I'm happy to do that because God has called me to that. Um, mm. He says, and I love this. Uh, you know, this is verse 12. I'm not ashamed for I know whom, being Jesus, I have believed and I am convinced that mm -hmm. he is able to guard me, in a sense, until the day that has been entrusted. And so, man, I, I, I love that. Um, mm. I love that in Paul. Like, his confidence in the Lord that just comes up over and over and over again. And he's passing that off to Timothy. We need more of that. Yeah, there, that verse that you pointed out, it brings out this, like, paradox. He, he's commending Timothy to to guard this deposit. And then he talks about in verse 12 that he, that he, God, is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted. 
And so our confidence in, in guarding what God has, has, the work that he's done in us, our, our confidence is that his spirit is able to guard That's it. Right, like, yeah. it, you know, it, it's not like we're given this thing and then thrown out into the wild. Yeah. But we're filled with the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. But it's the old, like, again, to quote John Car- John Carson, like the, the grace-driven effort, like, like what is... What does that mean then for us? It means be attentive to the spirit. Like don't forsake the spirits leading in you. Like don't forsake the things that you know the spirit desires to be true of your life. So yeah, absolutely. Well, a great, a great word. And, um, it's a good word to us. And, and again, just a good word to families too. Like, I mean, one other thought on this, I know how often families, you know, first generation Christian, the first generation is faithful. Second generation, you know, Pretty faithful, but kind of wanes. Third mm-hmm. generation, they start running away from the things of the Lord again. Like, yeah. like I, I want the, you know, I want my children and children's children to the third and fourth generation and beyond to love Jesus. I want this deposit that's been entrusted to our family to be guarded. So. Amen. For Will Carlisle, I'm Jason Dees. Thanks for listening to Our Daily Rhythm. I'm Jason Dees, one of the pastors of Christ Covenant, and Our Daily Rhythm is a ministry of our church designed to help you more faithfully and effectively meditate on God's Word. If you ever have a question for us about one of our Bible readings or one of your own Bible readings, please don't hesitate to text us at 404-465-1737. Again, that's 404-465-1737. Or email me directly at jason at christcovenant.com. We'll meet you again tomorrow for Our Daily Rhythm.